All right, Justin. On Facebook, my clue for this movie was Star Wars, Dungeons and Dragons, and an Arthurian legend having a three-way. So, in honor of that, what song would they be fucking to, Justin? <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here is That's my a loss. handle, and here is my spout. Who the fuck would fuck to that song, Justin? Um, the no the one. move, no the, the Arthurians, no. I don't know. I have one specific song in mind. Heather, your turn. Oh, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. That's all. No. That's all I could think of. The song is "Ava Adore" by Smashing Pumpkins. That's what you should have sang. Mm. Man, I was close. Okay, I almost got. Were it. you? <laughs> no, no, he wasn't. But. <laughs> I was so close on that one. Some moral victory here, but I mean, I would rather have the win, but I'll take the moral victory. How How is it a moral victory, Justin? Um, this does not require an explanation from me. Oh, it does. I'll wait. I would just have to explain all of my morals, and I don't think there's enough time in the podcast for uh I think you just openly admitted on the podcast you have no morals. <laughs> so many it takes up a whole podcast <laughs> honestly anybody that would fuck to i'm a little teapot is a sociopath it wouldn't have morals that's all i'm gonna say about that yikes and i will go into it uh in a little bit as to who won our little contest uh about this but before that let's cue music Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I am Sterling, and I am joined, as always, by Heather and Justin. And today, we will be talking about a movie off my essential list, and that would be the 1983 classic, Kroll. And so anybody, there were a few people, and there was one person that literally got it in at the very last minute, because we just started recording, and one minute before we started recording, they actually put that answer on Facebook. So I'll get their information and they will uh, get a little prize also because I did. We did put up a little contest where I described this movie as uh, it's like watching Star Wars Dungeons and Dragons and an Arthurian legend have a three way together. And if you cr guessed it correctly, you'd win a T-shirt for that. And so of all the people that guessed and some of you guys, I'm not going to lie. You guessed crazy wrong movies. I can't even get <laughs> into how far off and how much I think you just didn't even read the clue. Um, but we did have a few winners. And so they are. We have a Carson Stewart. who was the one that literally got it in a minute before I said the name of the title on the episode. I'll give it to them. Um, we also have I'm going to give it to Zach Lewis because he guessed it with a question mark. And then he also put Masters of the Universe, the He-Man movie. And I did tell him I, he has to choose one of those. He never did. But then I've been thinking about it all day. And Masters of the Universe, actually, I feel kind of fits those clues, too. So I'm going to give Zach here a uh, 
a win on that also. And then as I pressed these little buttons on my phone, geez, just to get to this one thing so I can check, look at the other winners. We also have a, a Robert Zamaripa. I really feel like I butchered your name, and I am sorry about that. We also have Jeb Bingham. Jeb kind of sneakily gets it because he did guess like 27 movies. So <laughs> he, but he did, he did get it. Um, we also have uh, Matt Scott and David Smith. Uh, so we do have six winners overall. Uh, oh, and Nick Foscares. I forgot about one more, which, uh, so we had seven, we had seven people that ended up guessing uh, the movie based on those clues. And I will be sending you out uh, cinema Slayer shirts. So keep an eye out on your mailboxes for that. And if you haven't given me your shipping and size information yet, message me or cinema slayers on Facebook and uh, we'll ship that out. I will also reach out to you. Don't worry. But if you're listening to this and I haven't go, Hey Sterling, you're an asshole. You didn't reach out to me and I guessed it. So uh, yeah, just keep that in mind. So yes, we are going to be talking about an essential movie on my list, which is Kroll. Uh, Kroll is a, a deeply amazing movie on so many levels. And I know last time we started with Heather since it was her movie, but since it's mine, we'll go back to the normal format with all this stuff. We will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with this movie. And we will do no spoilers and recommendations, then spoilers, which is kind of weird. This movie is damn near 30 or yeah. Fuck. How many years old is this? Almost 40. It's almost 40 years old. About 37. Yes. 37th anniversary. Um, Wow. Yeah. So uh, I don't feel like we should need to separate it out for a movie this old, but just in case uh, we will still do that because I don't want to ruin anything for anybody, especially not this masterpiece of a fucking movie. So let's go. Uh, uh, Jason, give us your non-spoilery thoughts about Kroll. Wow. Well, maybe I had a lot more fun watching this than I thought I would, because honestly, uh, I didn't know what to expect from this movie. And basically the, the contest that you had Sterling, that was pretty much my first instance of knowing anything about this movie. Okay. So it's going to kind of be Dungeons and Dragons, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars all wrapped up and rolled into one with some Arthurian legend in there too and stuff. So I was like, okay, what am I walking into? I like all of those things, right? So maybe I will like certain elements of this. And that's kind of what happened. Now, those elements are hella specific, but, uh, but, but, but this was entertaining in a way. Is it good? No. Sorry, Sterling. It's not great. I don't think it's great, but. There, but there is some entertainment value in this. And you also have to keep in mind when you watch something like this, that this came out, as Heather said, 37 years ago. So obviously when you're looking at this now, you could tell, you can really tell when there are special effects. You can really tell when there are certain props and things like that. But I don't know, man. There's just something kind of relaxing, rewarding, nostalgic all those words about 
going back and watching something like this and sometimes just the silliness of it the 80s haircuts the the dialogue or just the looks or gazes that the actors give sometimes just brings a smile to your face and you can't help but just go man what a time it must have been making something like this so for all those reasons I can recommend this. If you're looking for a great movie, watch something else, please. But if you're, but hey, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic. You're going to be at home. You got some time to kill. Uh, this isn't a bad watch. This this will give you some laughs. This will give you some entertainment. And if you like all those things, it's fun to point out things that the film references or copies off of or takes from, however you want to say it. It's fun to point all those things out and see what you see and everything like that. So overall, I did have a good time watching this movie. Heather, what about you? So the thing with this movie is... I remember this movie was a thing. <laughs> I couldn't remember anything about the movie, but as I was watching it, I started to remember a lot of the scenes from the movie. I watched this movie a lot growing up with my brother, and I just, I remember the name of the movie, and my big thing is, I just, yeah, I'm not going to give spoilers for it yet, but there's a very specific thing I remembered about this movie, and then going back and watching it again, I was like, I totally remember this scene. I forgot this was from this movie. So it definitely was a movie that was full of nostalgia for me because it was one of those that was on a VHS tape that we owned and we just popped in if we were just looking for something that was an action movie. And I can see how for 1983, this was a very big deal movie, a very big action movie, whatever you want to call it. I can see how it might be popular back in 1983. So I can't blame it for that. It definitely has not aged well in a lot of ways, but it was, it was fun kind of in the sense of what Jason was saying, where it was, you know, it kind of took me back on a trip from a memory lane trip, I guess you could say. Um, and I think that's mostly what I did enjoy about it because I just remember when I was watching specific scenes, like, Oh yeah, I remember when I saw this, I remember watching this movie so many times and that's what I liked about it going back and watching it now. So, um, as a general rule, is it a good movie? Um, I cannot say that it is. It's definitely not something that I would say is like just an essential, like Sterling has said here, but that's okay because I said America's Sweethearts was an essential movie of mine and probably nobody else in the world thinks that. So, you know, to each their own, but it was definitely fun to go back and rewatch it and just kind of remember the movie as a whole because... I, I just, I remembered in the recesses of my memory, certain zines, and I just forgot they were from this movie. So it was good to go back and like, as an older audience member of it, be able to put things together that I probably wouldn't have understood as well as a kid anyway, because as a kid, you're just looking at it and you're like, oh, the action and the, you know, the, the heroic moments and the whatever of it. And now I can go back and kind of piece together the whole story when, when you're younger, at least for me, I didn't watch it as much as Sterling probably. 
I didn't really piece those things together at the time. So it was, it was definitely enjoyable to just sort of go back and relive those moments. Um, but I don't think that it's something I'm going to say, you have to watch this if you haven't seen it. Uh, for me, this was probably, it's one of those just very influential movies on my life. Uh, it's one of those weird movies that I just saw on HBO and when I was younger and it's just, it it has been 100% like stuck in me ever since then. Just never once, uh, leaving me. It's, 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 it's been one of those movies that it imprinted on me at a very young age. And I have just consistently, uh, just consumed this movie ever since. And it, it really is all those things. It's Star Wars. It's, and by that, I mean, it's sci-fi. It's got stormtrooper like aliens. It's got fucking laser blasts. It's got intergalactic travel, which also we'll get into that and how much sense that makes technically in this movie. Um, it's, it's got that D and D aspect of like, you have a party and it's like, these people all have their own jobs. Like there's a healer, there's a magic user, there's, you know, like a rogue, there's a, uh, a warrior. There's like all these little different things all encompassing in that with like shapeshifters and, you know, all these other creatures and stuff. And then it's got, it's got that Arthurianness to it where it's like prophecy and like a special weapon to destroy evil and all of these things. And this movie just is like a fucking hodgepodge of just random ass shit thrown into a movie. <laughs> I mean, like I said, there there's swords and horseback riding and laser cannons and aliens and magic. And just if you just it's just a bunch of shit. This movie is a bunch of shit just constantly coming at you. Um this movie also, uh, if you ever want to experience what it's like to climb a mountain range, you essentially get to watch it in real time play out in this movie. Uh, it's just got a little bit of everything for everybody, uh, which also might be its downfall that it doesn't really have enough of any one thing to really keep coherent. But it's got a little bit of everything, though. It's just a very weirdly special movie for me. And it's one of those things also, I've seen this movie so many times that this section in particular is very hard for me right now, uh, where a lot of movies on my list, this section is going to be very hard for me because so much of this movie is widely ingrained in me. That it's hard of me to think of what spoilers and what's not like. I just I know this entire movie. So like, it's just really kind of hard to parse that out in my head. Um, but I can wholeheartedly recommend this movie in every way, shape or form. I think it should be required viewing. I think that they should start making you get a license to be able to go to the movies. And this needs to be one of the movies you have to watch before you're allowed to go to a movie theater. So, Oh my strong words, accurate words is what it is. Uh, so with that guys, uh, recommendations and score Heather, what about you? What's yours recommendation? Um, I can't necessarily say that I would recommend it just because for me, there's what (laughs) there's nothing super memorable about it other than just my memories of I remember watching it as a kid. Um, If you 
if you want the nostalgia of it, maybe yes. But as a, a whole, like if you're just, for me, if I'm just like, oh, I just want to watch something that I know and that I like, this isn't necessarily one of those for me. My score is going to be, um, I don't know, Sterling's going to hate me for this one. Um, I'll probably give it <laughs> 45 uh, quicksand moments of people dying out of 100. Justin. <laughs> get, well, Heather. Get this. Man, what a. Yeah, back on track here. What oh, a my. harsh, harsh, crippling review. No, I'm sorry. And um, I'm going to assume it the boat. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Well, I don't know. Maybe not that similar, but no. Um, can I recommend this? Man, it, it's like the, I almost have to pull from two sides of myself. The side of me that would recommend, if I'm talking to somebody, this is the kind of recommendation I can make for this. If I'm talking to somebody and they want me to recommend for them a good movie, am I going to think of Kroll? Is Kroll going to come to mind? Am I going to go, oh, man, let me make you a list real quick. And on that list of 10 movies that this guy must see, is Kroll going to be one of those movies? Of course not. <laughs> it's not going to be on that. OK, it's not. But if I'm talking to somebody who kind of who I know, I have certain friends and I know that they would be down for this kind of movie. I know that this is the kind of, they're, they're kind of geeks and they kind of like this kind of stuff. You know, they like the Arthurian legends. They like the swords and the lasers and stuff like that. And I could see them getting a kick out of this if they haven't seen it. If they're a Star Wars fan or any of those kinds of things, they might look at this as just some forgettable, just funny entertainment that kind of goes within the genre of things that they like. So, uh, so those are the kinds of people that I can probably recommend this to. If you fall kind of in that category, then yeah, go ahead and give this a try, but it, but it, don't expect it to be good or spellbounding or anything like that. Just go in, prepare to laugh and just let your mind go. And I think you will enjoy some aspects of this. As far as a score, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'll go half because I did laugh at this. I did. I was entertained by this. I didn't just hate this. So I will go a little higher than Heather did, but not much. It's going to be right in the middle. It's going to be a big 50 imposter old seer man with fingernail attacks of doom that caused someone to wiggle to death out of 100. I feel like we don't we didn't watch the same movie, guys. Are you sure you guys did not watch the Kevin Sorbo movie Cull? Because that's the only thing your scores actually make me think. You didn't see Kroll. You saw Cull. <laughs> I have never felt more betrayed in my life. This movie is a goddamn treasure. <laughs> Nothing but love, Sterling. This Nothing movie but love. Is. Justin's all like, would I ever like recommend this movie? Somebody's like, oh, the ten no, this motherfucker is in the top twenty movies of all time. Oh. 
Well, it is because it's on my 20 list. So, yes, it, it's like my 20 essential movies. Of course, it's got to be in the top 20, Justin. I mean, I don't know why that's that like sounded surprising because I know a lot of people out there were like, oh, well, I'm going to do this type of list and all this other stuff. No, these are my list is the 20 best movies ever made because that's just how good I am at doing these things. But with that, <laughs> Cole is amazing. Cole is greatness. Cole is one of those movies that has numerous and an incalculable amount of flaws that don't matter because it's greatness overpowers them. It achieves over them. It just succeeds in every way, shape or form, regardless of its problems. This movie is a cinematic force of nature that can't be and won't be stopped. Wow. To quote, you know, sports center back in the day is it's either it's either Dan Patrick or it's Stuart Scott. But this is one of those movies where you can't you can't stop it. You can only hope to contain it. And by that, I mean, it's greatness. That's powerful. Both of you guys are batshit insane because <laughs> this movie is hands down the lowest possible score it should ever and could ever conceivably receive from a rational person. And I'll do that. I'll put my critical thinking hat on here. I'll put my, my critic hat <laughs> and I'll go extremely harsh on it. And that is 95 glaives, glaive attacks to the beast out of 97 of those. Ha, three for a loop. You thought wow. it was going 95 out of 100. No, 95 out of 97. This movie's fucking amazing. Wow. Wow. I am unapologetic with that. And I will never back down from that score. So let's go ahead and go into spoilers, and I'll do that right <laughs> now. You've never backed down from a score, by the way. No, that's a lie. I did change a couple of mine by a point or two. Yeah, or to worse. No, I changed some to positives. <laughs> I added some positives in there. But let's get into this now, shall we? One of the greatest things about Cole or Kroll. See, now you're fucking me up because you guys were talking about Cole the entire time. All right. Whatever. Nobody was. You guys were. Cause did you listen to your scores? You were talking about Cole, which I now kind of want to watch Cole. I haven't seen that movie in forever. And I do not <laughs> recommend anybody ever watching that movie. It is the worst thing ever made. And I'm probably going to find it and watch it tonight. But with Kroll, one of my favorite things, and this is something that is, this is, I think, what always really, truly stuck with me was any time anybody killed a slayer or any of the beast creatures, it would make a weird R2-D2 in pain noise. And then it's like brain would like pop out of its head and sink into the ground. And it wouldn't matter what kind of ground it was. They did it in a swamp. They did it in just the dirt. They did it in a castle floor uh, at the end of the movie when they're in the beast castle. They did it in the normal castle at the beginning of the movie, like it went through concrete brick shit, like stone. And it just, it just melted through it. Like it was dirt. And I don't know what it is and was about the imagery of that and the sound effect of that, that will just forever be in my brain. There are times I'm just walking and I'll think of that. I'll think of the little scream, the death scream and the little slug burrowing into the ground. I don't know why it is just a forever, a part of my being. It's it's right Is up it there like your alarm clock in the morning. It should be like uh, another, another thing. And I think that's that's the thing about this movie is there are certain visuals in this movie 
they're just constantly like a part of my being. Uh, another one is when you find out the the seer was uh, swapped out with the shapeshifter and the black eyes. Yeah. And specifically, the one where the the thief guy is leading the seer and he's got his hand up on his a shoulder and he just opens his eyes while they're walking forever in my head. Yeah. Uh, the scene where the main character has the red contacts in because the beast is just uh, portraying him forever in my head. Uh just the entire scene with the magical clear glass spider forever in my head constantly and the little tinkering bells because apparently that is the sound a web makes forever in my head the scene where the cyclops throws the spear into the shapeshifters back forever in my head there are just certain <laughs> things about this movie that are just ingrained in my head i i could just close my eyes and i can always picture those things or hear those things no matter what it's because it's magical. This movie also has Liam Neeson and Hagrid in it. Magic. I mean, like I said, this movie does have flaws. Like I mentioned earlier, there's a scene where our hero is going to, to find the glaive, which also the glaive is one of the best weapons in movie history. That's such a cool looking thing. I can actually agree to that. Side note. I really need to get a glaive tattoo. I have no Ooh. idea where. I need, that see, would be cool. And I don't know if I want blades out or blades in. Because I think it looks great either way. I do, That's a good idea, actually. I do need to get a glaive tattoo. I also want to I want to find that glaive necklace. I want just just as big too. I want that gigantic ass glaive medallion. <laughs> and just wear that shit. You're going to live and breathe it until you die. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I, I just I want that now also. Um Especially after y'all's disparaging statements about this movie, like putting disclaimers on it, like, oh, I'd recommend it if, you know, my friend's a little weird and shit. Man, what the fuck? <laughs> Who said that? Justin, when he's like, you know, if I know my friend and I know they like weird shit, I'll do it. I'd suggest this movie. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Garbage is hey, what you it just was. Gotta, you just got to know the audience, man. You just got to yeah. know who would like it. And it should be everybody. <laughs> I'm to this day surprised when people have not seen Kroll. I don't know how you've existed without seeing it. And I know, and that is a shot at you, Justin, because I know you just watched it for the first time for this. Yep, I was about to say, well, that includes me. <laughs> and you're fucking older than me. Like, you're as old as this yep. movie, and you did not fucking watch it. <laughs> what the nope. fuck have you been doing with your life? Missing it. I mean, missing this, apparently. Apparently, you were just going out of your way to just not experience greatness. You just went out of your way. You're going to watch bullshit and love bullshit like Hereditary, but you're not going to fucking watch Kroll. Where the fuck are your priorities? Oh, man. How did Hereditary come into this conversation? I think it's a goal of his to make Hereditary some kind of dig at any conversation no that's midsummer (laughs) but justin didn't like midsummer but he liked hereditary yes i just i don't understand it like i don't even know like maybe that's why you liked hereditary because you'd never seen kroll you never knew what actual greatness was (laughs) and now you feel like the 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 beginning part of your life was just a fucking waste of everything because you hadn't seen Kroll yet till today. So you're just taking out your frustrations at your failure of a being because you just, you know, 
didn't know what else to do. So you take it out on this glorious piece of cinema. This is the one movie I'd ever call cinema. I know we're called cinema slayers. That's kind of ironic. I shouldn't have said it that way, but like a film, like this is film. This is art. All right, Martin Scorsese. Calm down. Yeah. All right, Martin. If Martin had said that shit about Kroll, I would have actually understand all that shit he was saying. But he's saying it about bullshit like Midsummer. (laughs) That has to really irk you. I mean, let me put this in a better way. There's really no better way. I said it perfectly. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I mean, it's just one of those things that like. I really do feel like there is something for everybody in this movie. It might just be one scene, but it's in there because this movie has everything. I mean, it's got sword fights. It's got laser versus sword fights. It's got magic flamethrowers. It's got people falling in love within 30 seconds of meeting each other. It's got demons. It's got shapeshifters. It's got magical sword stars. It's got shapeshifter evil shapeshifters it's got good shapeshifters it's got people that creepily rub Bert's bees on people's faces to heal them it's got gigantic spiders it's got melting brains into floors it's got quicksand because everybody knows the true test of a good movie is whether or not it has quicksand guess what this fucking movie has it and this is even actual scary quicksand because quicksand in real life, you'd actually never die in because it gets so dense that you'll get up to maybe your chest and you would never actually die in quicksand. So this has the actual scary quicksand in it that can kill you because it does. It kills a motherfucker. I mean, it's got Cyclopses. It's got flaming Clydesdales. It's got magical transporting castles that when they're in outer space, they have to fly very slowly. It's got people whose most experienced or I mean, the, the, the peak technology in which their society has made, uh, achieved is horseback riding. Yet they know of interspace travel and galaxies and things beyond their world with having never experienced them. This movie is magic. I mean, name one more thing you would ever need in a movie. But after all that shit, I just listed Exactly. It's impossible. No one needs anything else in a movie when it has all that. I mean, we honestly can end the podcast now. It'll be 35 minutes. Quick short one out. Because I just don't know what else you guys could possibly say after this. But either way, Heather, it's your turn. <laughs> oh, my. Um, I would say, I mean, I do think you're right. It does have pretty much a little bit of everything in a movie. But I for me, it was also just really slow. Like there were what? moments where you're <laughs> action packed. <laughs> there were just moments when it was just, it, it was action packed, but I mean, the in between moments of getting to those action scenes, it was just like, I felt like it was like 30 minutes of music and that's it. Like no dialogue or anything. It's just music to transition you from one thing to another. And for me, it was just a little slow. Like, I'm not saying it was completely boring. I'm just saying it was slow paced for me. Um, but it's, I don't know. I, I think that's mainly my thing. I will say that I didn't mind the score of it. I think the score of the movie was pretty good, pretty good actually. Like, if I was having to hear transition scenes from different points of action moments, you couldn't really do much better. I can say that much about the movie. 
But it just was slow paced for me. And like, it was, it's just for me, moments of cheesiness. And I feel like they were doing a lot in the movie, but they didn't, they didn't necessarily need to do all of that to get their story across. But I mean, I, I guess I applaud them for the effort, but it just, it just wasn't my cup of tea. I'm not saying like it's the dumbest movie or the worst movie I've ever seen. It's just not one of those where I'm just going to put it on on a random day when I just want to watch a movie that I've seen. You know, like, I mean, I don't really have anything specifically that I'm like, this was terrible about the movie. It was just it's just very outdated, I guess. And it's it's just a little slow paced. Like, I just feel like there were lots of moments when they're traveling to somewhere and then it's just all it is is the music. And for an action movie, I just feel like that should be toned back more and maybe a little bit more dialogue in between. I don't know. But that's just my preference. I don't know. I just I don't even know what to say to you. I mean, I can't believe you're actually saying it's slow. Like, that's mind boggling to me. I mean, (laughs) these sword fights, they had people changing hands, whatever hand they were using their sword in. They had people getting knocked back into trees, you know. This was just a very technical sword fighting movie. Probably the best I've ever seen. <laughs> There's not a single better example of sword fighting in a movie in 37 I will years. Say it's, it's definitely the movie that made me afraid of quicksand. I can say that much. Because when I did remember seeing that scene, I was like, oh, yeah, this is why I was like, oh, quicksand is probably the worst way to die <laughs> when I was younger. And yeah, so I remember that much about it. And I mean, I do remember the love story and you're right. They do fall in love like pretty much at first sight. Um, I didn't mind the love story of it, though. I mean, that was pretty good. Like just I don't know. There was just something about it that was like, I get it, you know, and and the whole, you know, this fire only goes towards the man I'll marry, whatever it was they were saying. You know, I didn't mind that part of it, but also as, you know, a female and as a younger female, when I first watched it, I think that probably stuck out more to me anyway. So that's more maybe what I liked about it or what I remember about it, I guess I should say. But like I said, it's not like there's anything that I'm like, this is terrible. This is terrible. But I will say so many scenes from this movie stuck with me. And they stuck with me apparently for the 33 years of my life because when I saw them, I was like, yep, completely remember the scene to the T when I remembered what movie it was from. So I don't know. It's just, I I don't know. Like I realized that it's not going to be the best quality of, you know, special effects or anything like that because it was made in the early 80s. But I feel like it's just... I don't know. Again, just not essential for me, but no offense if it is, because I could see why maybe someone would put this on their list like Sterling. Just not my cup of tea. I don't know why you would compare this to tea. I mean, that's just bonkers. (laughs) Justin, just see if you can talk some sense into Heather. I just I can't right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Sterling. Oh man, your feelings, man. I just feel so Love bad you. for your feelings. Sorry. Your, your poor feelings. Hurt him, Heather. You hurt him. Um this <laughs> movie, I just think that I, I need to be clear about what I say. Is this a good movie? No. Like, if you're a person that likes just simple developments, just 
things explained or if you need to kind of see how all the pieces come together, then yeah, you're not going to get that from this movie. It's just like what we've talked about and what uh, my two colleagues have said. This movie is a lot of things mixed together. But I do feel that none of those things are fully realized. And that's kind of ultimately the flaw of the film. And that's the difference between something like this and Lord of the Rings or something like this and Excalibur or something like this and Star Wars. It's just sometimes when you mix all these things together, and this is what kind of happens to movies like this. Honestly, uh, movies like this are such a dime a dozen that they could almost have their own genre. You know, there, there should, that, that should be a genre. Movies that just copy other movies and that should be a genre. And you could have, this would be in the band, Mac and me. You know, there are just tons whoa, of them like whoa, this. Whoa. Did you really <laughs> just fucking put this on the same fucking level as Mac and me? You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to get it now. <laughs> then you got to at least let me finish before you let me have it. I know you're going to let me have it now, but you got to let me finish because I think I was making a good point. But like <laughs> with these, I know, you, I know I'm going to get it. I'm going to probably get it worse than you did have the see there. You can th- at least thank me for that. But all I'm saying is that these movies they it's like these directors and the people that make these movies they see a lot of good elements in better movies and they go oh man I really like that I really like that there are lasers in Star Wars so I want to have it I really like that there was this weapon and this quest that this person liked to get in that this this weapon that this chosen person had to get and there was this prophecy that needed to be fulfilled I really liked all of that in the King Arthur story I I liked how it was depicted in Excalibur. Um, so let me just have some of that in there and I'll just make my weapon cooler. I'll make it like this shuriken looking thing and, you know, it'll have a cool name and I'll have my guy go and get that. And yeah, that that'll that'll be cool. I'll combine all of these neat concepts and that means that I'll have something good. But just because you have a lot of ingredients doesn't necessarily mean that when you get to the kitchen, you know how to craft whatever it is you're trying to make. It doesn't mean you're going to get the same salad that you saw in the picture. It doesn't mean that you're going to get the same cake uh, that you saw in the picture to bake. There's still some skill involved. There's still some craftsmanship. There's still some in-between things that you still have to know in order to put those ingredients together and make something properly. And sometimes what these movies fall into is they just don't fully realize those ideas like the dark beast thing in this. I never really understood what his motivation was. I, I didn't really know what it was. Like he, he was there and it, I, apparently he, it seemed like he kind of wanted to take over the land, but I didn't know what purpose that served. When he was talking to our princess in this, he was like trying to tempt her and he was like, look, you be with me and you can have all this power. Why do you need this human being? <laughs> Why do you need this? woman was so good that about is completely so explained in the movie what was the explanation i must have missed it then what did he need her for in the opening narrative it talks about 
essentially if her and the hero, uh, Corlin, if they have a child, that child will be the king of the galaxy is what it's prophesized to be. That's why he's got to essentially stop them from having a kid. And that because of her power with the whole like flame thing and all this other stuff, he could actually inherit that from her too type of thing. So it's one of those things that like, if they have a kid that would also be a threatening to the beast's existence also, and would ruin his galactic conquest. Hmm. Well, it would have been nice for him to articulate that. You know yeah, what why? I mean? Was that? I mean, what you that's, don't mean saying it multiple that's times. That's a lot to infer from the narrator rather than just, and that's all I mean. Uh, in order to fully realize a character, that character needs to articulate something <laughs> beyond just, you know, dark, sinister stuff. And, and like, so that is almost kind of to my point. Like, this director thought that it was good enough for just the narrator to say it. But when it's a good movie, man, your character emotes that your character, your character really personifies that so that we understand, OK, I, I know this character and that's what causes a person to invest in the story. And it sucks because like there were characters in this that were very interesting. Honestly, my favorite character was the Cyclops in this. And did the Cyclops really do anything special? No. Was the makeup spellbounding? No. Um, you know, he had some awesome kills, like when he killed that, um, imposter, uh, seer. Um, that, that was a cool kill. Uh, he had some cool kills with the spear, but really what made the Cyclops so awesome to me was the awesome backstory that they gave him. And I mean, the backstory of this Cyclops was fantastic. He was, you know, he came from this race of people and they had made this deal with the Slayers, these beast people. They had made these deal, this deal with them to hard to have power. They wanted to be, be able to have the power to see into the future. But these Slayers, these beasts, they betrayed them. So what happened was the trade was supposed to be give us the power to be able to see in the future and I'll sacrifice my eye for that so they take the deal but the slayers wound up betraying them and what they actually got was not only do they get stuck with one eye making them the cyclops but the only thing that they can see is how they're going to die in the future like when I, when, when the, when the, when the other character in the, in this movie explained that story, my mind just went crazy. And I was like, man, dude, that's an, so much could be done with that. Like so much could be done with that. This thing, this large thing that doesn't fit in, he's got one eye and with that eye, but he can, but he also knows how he's going to die. He knows, he already knows what his fate is, but so having to live understanding that and knowing that that's a cool concept. And that was neat. So every time the Cyclops was on screen, I couldn't help but think about that and think about how noble his actions were and think about how cool, like 
how how much I appreciated that character because I knew that he could see his death. He already saw it. He already knew what his end game was, but still going about doing this and the way he was talking and being loyal to the group and everything like that, to the quest and everything like that. And to me, that invested me in that character because that was such a great origin story. And I wish the same amount of time had been put into some of our major characters other than a narrator saying, well, if they have a kid, the kid's going to rule the galaxy. So the, you, you like them, right? I wish the time and the effort that was put into that Cyclops story was put into some other characters in this movie. And then this movie would have been fully realized, but instead only the Cyclops was fully realized. And so that's why he was my favorite character. But to me, that is the problem with this movie. And that is typically the problem with a lot of movies like this. They're fans of better movies. They take concepts from these movies and they put them all together in their movie. But they forget the part that really makes those movies. They forget the those intricate parts that really make the cake. And if you don't fully realize those things, if those things are not fully realized, then you just have a bunch of things happening on screen. And... That really is this movie. I mean, I just don't I understand see that. why you need the director and the writer to hold your hand throughout the entire movie. <laughs> just repeating shit over and over again. I mean, I thought it spelled out everything pretty easily. I mean, they spelled out why the beast wants them to stop them from getting married. They spelled out why the beast was evil. They spelled out the history of the Cyclops. They spelled out the history of the gold or uh, the, the gray man. I mean, they gave you the history, a little bit of the history of the glaive. I mean, such a rich tapestry of backstory and lore. I just don't know what else you could ever need. I do get your point about the Cyclops, though. Like, that makes sense. And I would agree with you on that whole point that you made, Justin. Yeah, I want to see a movie about that concept. A person, like, who can who knows what that moment of death is going to be and like what their role is and stuff like that. Like, how do you even live a life like that? Knowing that that, you know, knowing that that happened and that whole, and that was a cool little betrayal. Like to me, that was the most villainous thing that I heard that these, this race of people did in, in damn near the whole movie. Like that was really cruel, man. Not only am I going to take your eye, but <laughs> I'm going to give you the power to see into the future, but the future that you're going to see is your own death. That's all. That's the only future you're going to be able to see, man. That is some twisted metal Calypso type shit. And, and, and so like when I heard that my mind exploded, I was like, hell yeah. Wow. That's good. And it just, and it's just sad that that was the only moment in the movie that made me do that. You know, <laughs> But Justin, you also forgot the other part of the death thing, and that is if they are to die a peaceful death, they can actually change how they die. But if they do, it guarantees they will die a painful death. You forgot that part of it also. Hmm. That's true. Because I did leave after that they out. Get the yeah, horses, thanks for pointing that after out. After they get the horses, he was actually supposed to just stay there in that little canyon and die, you know? That that was yeah. where he was supposed to die. And they were like, oh, he has to accept True. his death. And if he doesn't, then he'll die a painful death. And what did he do? He went ahead and went, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to die a painful death to further the cause of ending the beast. 
See, you missed that. That what makes it more poetic. Yes. And I didn't talk about that, but yes. So when, yes. So at the end, so towards the end, when he does those heroics and he's galloping on horseback and he decides to help and everything like that towards the end of the film, going into the showdown. Yes, you're, you're absolutely right. And that made that scene just that much more heroic. Like his scene felt way more heroic and there were and there was heroism from the other members in this too the other group members that there were a bunch of acts of heroism to get our hero to where he needed to be but that one was the most impactful because it just that was such a well thought out well crafted story to go with it And that's really my only point is I just wish more of this had that stuff. And we were talking a little bit before we did this podcast about movies like that, like movies that maybe aren't so good, but if you remade them, they would be awesome. And I think this would be a total candidate for that because like, dude, I mean, there, there were the things I'm talking about, like there were a bunch of good concepts, but they just needed more time to realize a lot of those concepts and really get into what what this is. And I think this this would really be cool if it was remade. So there you go, Sterling. I will give you that. I, I, I don't think it's a perfect movie now like you think it is, but the potential is definitely there. And I and if this was remade or just reimagined i would totally watch it i would i mean i get that sentiment to it justin of if this was remade you'd want to watch it because yeah i too want more crawl in my life i mean i i want a scene for scene remake of it just i don't give a fuck who you cast just get some motherfuckers in it and do a scene for scene remake of it and i'm set because that's just more crawl in my existence and that's never a bad thing <laughs> I have even played the <laughs> Kroll Arcade Machine, which is the most nonsensical video game in the world because you just <laughs> kind of throw the glaive around at some slayers as they come down the screen. I don't know how to move on levels or anything. It was just so very weird. Um, but no, with some of this stuff, I do kind of get what you're saying with some of this stuff because like what I was talking about, like their brain slug thingies or whatever, like going into the ground. It's such a weird thing that they showcase several times in this movie. And there's just no payoff to it whatsoever in a way that you're like, why is it happening? Like, why is that happening? Um, and they, and they weirdly go very deep into things. And like none of the other things, like they go very deep into the backstory of the lady of the web, you know, uh, with her being in love with the gray, uh, the gray man. And, yeah, the gray man left her for duty, which his duty, I guess, was to stay up in the mountain until the prophecy was to be fulfilled. Was that was his duty? Apparently, he couldn't stick around with this woman and raise their child. Uh, he had to go just live alone in a mountain. But, uh, you know, to do all that, and then like, so the lady was just so angry at him that she killed her baby because she had nowhere else to release her rage. And then because of that, she was doomed to sit forever in the web. I mean, there are several things in this movie. And I do get what you're saying that are just you want more of it. 
And the cool thing about that that you're talking about, too, is like that would be a great idea for a movie too. see, like like there are so many good ideas in this. I just wish they would realize. But no, even what you're talking about, like in order to fulfill that prophecy, you actually had a couple here, two people that loved each other that couldn't be together because in order to fulfill part of that prophecy, they couldn't be together. And that is an untapped potential story that is never told. Like, have you ever noticed that? Like uh, most of the time when these prophecy movies are done, it's predicated on a prophecy being fulfilled, right? And normally the guy and the gal, what they wind up together, but I think another spin of that story is you have these people that can't be together because of the prophecy that that must be fulfilled. And it's kind of this. So it so this prophecy thing becomes this tragic tale of these two people that couldn't be together because this bigger thing yeah. had to be fulfilled. And to me, isn't that a better story than just the prophecy being fulfilled so we can get these two people together all the time. I don't know that that feels compelling to me. Yeah. It's definitely a more interesting story. I would say. Yeah. Well, you're, you're also forgetting though, the cliche busting element of the actual romance in the movie, because how many movies do you have it where in order to form an alliance, two kingdoms that were like enemies, marry their kids and it's always like the parents that make them do it. This movie was the exact opposite. They were like mm. the kids were the one that were choosing the alliance and both the parents were completely against it. Like how many times that, do you actually get to true. see that in a movie where the like the parents are like, I don't want you to marry him. And the kids are like, no, this alliance is important. We're getting married. Like, you never get <laughs> right. that. In no, a that's movie. true. And I will say this. They that were so true. Crazy deeply in love after just meeting each other, like in a very creepy way, like they kind of just met and all this other shit and blah, blah, blah. And then like they get married and the ceremony in the middle of it gets interrupted. And like, she's like, no, my place is by your side. And he's like, no, you have to leave. And then he, some, something happens. I don't remember. And then the guy goes, do you love me? She goes, of course I love you. He's like, then you'll go. (laughs) What the fuck? You just met. Like you literally just met like they're already saying that like we're married. So like, do you love me? Of course I do. And then like that whole thing when that woman's hitting on him in that village while the gray man is off, like, you know, trying to find out the prophecy from the the web woman that like, you know, she's all in like, and then the beast is showing her that like through, I don't know, holograms or whatever. And the woman's like, oh, I could keep you company tonight and all this shit and all this shit. And he's just like, no, I can't. I'm in love with this woman. And if she can't be comfortable, neither can I. And like all this other stuff. And you're like, how? (laughs) How is that actually a thought going through your head? Not the whole (laughs) being like wanting to be like faithful or anything like that. I get that part of it. I'm just saying is how is the thought of, no, I'm so just deeply in love with this woman that I have literally spent five hours around ever. (laughs) And it's not even like. Like now where you can like have a long distance relationship and you can still text and talk on the phone and FaceTime and do all this stuff like all the time. No, no, no. They literally only communicated slash knew each other and had seen each other for five hours in existence. There was nothing else. They still weren't communicating. 
or anything like that. And, and they're just like sitting there like, yeah, no, I'm in love with her more than I've ever been today. <laughs> it's like with every passing moment, I'm just more in love with her. And it's mind boggling. See, that's the thing that confuses young girls when they're like watching movies like that, where it's like, oh, it's so easy to fall in love. This is so easy. See, that's where that comes from. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Heather, because I do want to go a little bit into the box office and and the the ratings of this movie and all this other stuff, because this movie had a budget of 20 to 30 million dollars to make it back in 1983. Wow. Which if you look at the budget now, you'll see something between 47 to 50 million. That's including the marketing. So it's the always that rule of thumb I'm talking about of you double the budget to find out how much money it has to make to get a profit. And so if you actually take that and adjust it for inflation to now, that puts the budget in now now's dollars at $121 million. Wow. At a roughly like $60 million. Uh, well, I'm sorry, not a 60 million. It's roughly 40. Uh, the adjusted budget is roughly $77.6 million. Hmm. If you do like the 25 to $30 million actual budget for the movie and all this other stuff. Yeah. This movie opening weekend made 5.5 million and it was not released internationally. So it's domestic and worldwide box office are one in the same. This movie in 1983 at the budget of 25 to $30 million made 16.9 million worldwide. So this is what you call a box office failure. And to your point, Heather, about, you know, when little girls see stuff like this, uh, it gives them like, you know, the wrong idea about love and stuff like that. I think it's safe to assume no young girl ever saw this movie and thought that because apparently nobody went and saw this movie. Mm. (laughs) Uh, If you do an adjusted uh, gross on this movie, it was forty three point seven million dollars when it needed one hundred and twenty one million to break even. It adjusted is 43.7 um as far as ratings and whatnot go for this movie uh the imdb score is a 6.1 out of 10 which is vastly too low uh the metacritic which is also too low is a 45 the rotten tomatoes is a 35 with an audience score of a 51 which all that goes to prove that no one knows what the fuck they're talking about and this is an amazing movie um I mean, if you truly want to break this movie down in, in, in like the most honest sense and all this other stuff, I think calling it like an unmitigated disaster would be somewhat accurate. But to me, this is one of those things where if you're truly watching this movie, and I know I have been somewhat uh, exaggerated during a lot of this stuff, but I mean, this is a garbage fest of a movie, but it is the most fun garbage fest ever. I mean... It's to me, this is like the weird movie equivalent and people in Texas will understand this reference of the roller coaster at Six Flags called uh, the Judge Roy Scream. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yep. It is the most basic of roller coasters. And on top of that is wooden. So you're also vibrated to death and it makes the most rickety. You're going to die at any moment noises throughout the entire thing. And it's just a series of hills up and down, up and down, up and down. It takes like, what, a whole 47 seconds to ride that ride? Yep. But let's be real here, guys. Anybody that's ever ridden that thing, it's kind of fun, isn't it? Like, no matter what, no matter what you're doing at Six Flags, 
You always make a point to ride that thing at least twice. Everyone does. Every time I go to Six Flags, or used to, because I'm nowhere near that one. We've got one up here, but anytime I would go to Six Flags over Texas, that'd be the first one I rode, and that'd be the last one I'd ride. I'd always first thing, go into the park, Judge Roy Scream, and then you go do whatever. You go ride all the other ones, all the fancy ones with their loop-de-loops and their big you know, invertedness and their spins and all this other shit, and then you end the day, ride the Judge Roy Scream, and then you leave. There's something fun about th- the weird simplicity of it all. And this movie is weird in its simplicity because it really is a simple movie, but it is also the most complex and convoluted way of ever being simple because there is just so much going on randomly in this, but it's nothing hard to really understand. You know what I mean? It's a very simple thing to watch. But there is still just a hecticness to it. And I do understand what Heather was talking about with the, the some of the weird slowness to the movie. Because this movie is weirdly two hours long. And there are weirdly aspects of this movie that drag on infinitely longer than those scenes ever should. There's a scene early on where uh, Corlin is, is, is getting a solve put on him by the gray man. That takes 45 seconds to a minute to do that whole scene. But in that scene, there's no music. There's no dialogue. (laughs) All you hear is literally the sounds of this man opening like a jar tin thing and like getting the solve and rubbing it on the guy and then closing it. And then the guy being like, Lisa, that is it. (laughs) That is that whole scene with no other noise. And it goes on for a very long time. And like we were talking about whenever he goes to get the glaive, it goes in real time with this man climbing into the mountains. And every time you think he's getting to the glaive, there's at least another mountain every single time. (laughs) And it is just the longest, most inexplicable thing ever to get to that point. I mean, (laughs) and there's no real trouble in it either. Like, I think he kind of slips once or whatever. Like, it's just one of those things. It's like, It's not like he even fights a creature or anything. It's literally a motherfucker walking through some rocks. (laughs) That is it. And then he gets to the glaive and it's in like a lava river. And you're like, okay, now he's got to figure out how to get the glaive out of this. Oh, nope. He's just going to reach the fuck into the lava. Just pull it right out. They act like it was supposed to be some trials and tribulations. Like that was part of the test to get the glaive is what makes it like whoever gets it is worthy of it. Apparently to get the glaive, you've just got to be able to walk through some mountains and then you just happen to be lava proof. (laughs) Those are the special requirements to get the glaive. You got to be good at hiking and you have to be impervious to molten lava. So probably like Daenerys from Game of Thrones might be the only other person. Man, Daenerys can't get that shit. (laughs) Don't blaspheme here. I mean, because then you're also like, if you want to get super nerd into it, are you talking about book Daenerys or are you talking about show Daenerys? Because show Daenerys is the one that's fireproof, mm. not book one. See, mm. get into that yeah, shit. Don't even get into that shit. Um, oh, boy. But then like the glaive was supposed to be the weapon that's like the ultimate weapon and all this other shit. It he only uses it once in the movie. Like how many times would that have been so effective against the Slayers? And he's like, nope, one person's got to die, but we got to stab these guys. Can't use this magic weapon I have. Right. 
And the scene they did use it in, though, it was a good scene. Like, it, they used it well when they used it. Yeah, but it doesn't do much. It just kind of cuts the guy a couple of times. <laughs> like, it didn't really sell itself as the ultimate weapon. And then it gets negated and, like, just, it's, it's gone. It's like this huge whole setup for this thing that doesn't do too terribly much and ultimately doesn't matter. Only for them to use the fire that they got at the beginning of the movie doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm very upset because, like, I, I, I really meant it. I love the glaive. I think it is an amazing weapon. I love the way it looks. I think it's a very awesome design. And it's just, it, it's not ineffective. The movie uses it in a very ineffective way. And also, if you want to talk about scenes that drag out for an absurdly long amount of time, when the glaive gets stuck in the monster and he's trying to force will it out of him, that goes oh. on for at least 27 years. Because it's stuck in him and it's just, he like does that strain thing where he's like really trying to force it out of, you know, out of the yeah. monster. And he's got that strained face and his arm is stretched out and his like forearms are bulging because he's so tensed up. And the music's just like kind of doing that. And it just does that like no less than 14.2 billion times. And you're just like, why did it have to go on that long? That's why this needs a remake. Because because nowadays, if you if it was remade now, the princess, Lysa, I, I never say her name, Lysa, the, what you could have done that might have been cool is whenever that, um, whenever the gleam got stuck into um, our beast slayer, main slayer guy, uh, and he couldn't get it out, he couldn't pull it out, you know, they could have thought about the fire thing, harnessed it for her. And she could have been using the fire and then he could have got his gleam back and they could have like tag teamed on uh, um, our villain. He's called you know the what beast. I mean, the beast. OK, I don't know why I thought he had a better name than that, um, but they could have tag teamed on on him right there. And they could have like there could have been these fire gleam combo attacks and that would have been cool. Then you could have kind of had the 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 princess kind of showing a little girl power there. You know what I mean? See if it was made now, that's what you would do. But you know, back then, that was how you did it. But yeah. Well, there's also some things with this movie that I guess you guys probably didn't even notice because it took me dozens of times of watching this to know this some of this stuff. But there's a scene at the very beginning when the Slayers attack the castle and the princess is escaping through the back tunnel. And, you know, the Slayers show up and they start attacking her little, you know, entourage as they're leaving. One of the guards, like, starts running up a set of stairs and, like, a Slayer's chasing it. And Lysa's one that goes to a table in the middle of this room and grabs a sword and then throws it to the guard. And she even says, here, for the guard to, like, catch it to fight the, the Slayer. Why the fuck didn't the guard have a sword? What was that guard going to do? <laughs> How was it actually going to guard anything? <laughs> Especially when its whole defense is, oh, shit, the princess and us are getting attacked. I better run away up some stairs. There's a fucking table of swords in the middle of this room. Doesn't go get one. He's like, nah, I best get up these stairs without a weapon. That's the best way to defend this princess who I left. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, I think the thing is with this movie is I, I, I really do. And I Heather kind of said it and I really did say it earlier is so much of this movie just in some weird, like fucked up way truly is burned in my head. 
and just is always there. And no matter what, I've just never shaken it. I know for a long time I did. I tried to fight this movie. I tried to like forget about it. I tried to move on past it. I didn't want to watch it, but those scenes were still in my head. Mm-hmm. And I gave in to them though. I accepted them. <laughs> I harnessed them and I allowed them to become a part of me. And that's why this movie becomes like an essential thing on my list is it's just, like I said, it's one of those movies, you know, when I was a little kid, yeah, I loved it because you know, when you're weirdly a little kid, you love everything <laughs> unless it really yes. is super boring. Like, you know, when I was like a very, very little kid, if I watch, you know, if I'm like five, I couldn't watch something like Shawshank Redemption. I'd hate it. It'd be boring. It's just some people talking and shit. But this movie had sword fighting. It had magic. It had monsters, had all that shit. So that meant I automatically loved it as a kid. And with that, like later, you know, you do see the flaws in it. Like Jasmine was talking about and like what Heather's talking about. You do see the flaws in it. And like I said, but those things never left me. And so I gave into them and I grew with them and I developed them and I harnessed them into something very special, which is my love for the movie Kroll. Now, and I do kind of agree with you, Justin, that like I would love to see a remake of this. I would love to see a mini series of it. Honestly, I'd rather see something like 10 episodes on Netflix or Amazon or HBO or just any something like that, because. I think you could get into some more of the lore with some of that stuff because then you could actually dedicate. You could do like five episodes that are actually a part of this movie, but then you could do an episode that's kind of just dedicated to the Cyclops and stuff like that. You could do an episode that's just dedicated to the gray man and the woman in the web. You could dedicate an episode. You could dedicate an episode just to that band of thieves escaping from prison. And that would actually be cool to just kind of seeing how it all comes together. You could do an episode. Watch the hell out of that. You could do an episode just dedicated to the beast and the slayers and like their conquest throughout the galaxy. Uh, And then you could also do an episode uh, solely on the glaive and like what made it such a special weapon and how it ended up on that. Yeah, you could do like these like five episodes that are just backstory and lore throughout the series and stuff like that, and still have five episodes of an hour each dedicated to just telling this story. The exact same story, but you're getting five hours of that. And you tell me you couldn't do some cool shit with that, some cool fights with that and all this other stuff. But that then, would like actually I said, be really cool. And still have another five episodes dedicated to just the lore and shit. It would work out very well. I totally agree. I actually think that would be really interesting to watch. I do, too, because all those characters are interesting in their own way. You know, and to be able to kind of see their stories fully realized. And then, you know, you spend all that time doing that. And then you give us five episodes of the journey, like you were saying, and the journey and the and the upcoming battle. And then that final showdown. Oh, yeah, man, I think that would be really good. And like you said, 10 episodes, that's enough. That's a, a perfect amount of time to get what you need out of this story. And you wouldn't even need a season two or anything like that. You could just it, this could be a one and done type of thing. And I think people would be satisfied with that. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, because if you get into the depth of some of these things, I mean, because the, the main five store like parts of the story and stuff like that, they tell the story of Lissa. They tell the story of Colwyn. You know what I mean? They tell the story of everything that's happening now and the defeating of the beast. But all those things they hint to, like the glaive is an ancient, powerful weapon. 
why how it didn't do much in this movie so how like what makes it so special even like you could even do an episode that's part that in part because that's the the colwyn his his kingdom and stuff like that is the one where the glaive is a symbol and stuff like that and then you have like the whole magic fire powers that are lissa's kingdom's shit you could do one episode that just tells the story like the history of their kingdoms with the glaive and the fire powers yep that will work and then you know, you get to see the history of the gray man with the woman in the web and their history and all this other stuff and how she gets stuck in the web, you know, um, like you, like you were talking about with the Cyclops and stuff like that, the history of the, like how the Cyclopses came to be and all this other stuff and how they end up on Kroll because the beast and the yeah. slayers, you know, came to, re- which that's kind of weird how they did this because like they came to Kroll and they've been destroying the, the country and all this other stuff. Or the world. But, like, it also felt like they had been there for, like, seven hours. <laughs> um, So they were new to Kroll, but the Cyclopses made an ancient pact with them. So then how did the Cyclopses get on Kroll? I mean, they really do reference intergalactic travel <laughs> several times in this movie. And they've got horses. <laughs> it's very weird. But you can still get into, like I said, the, like you were talking about, the history of the Cyclopses. You can break down the history of some of these things. And really, and think about it with five hours, like if you're just doing these side episodes of five hours telling the history of this like universe and all this other stuff, but then also doing five hours to tell this two hour movie of a story. Think about how much more you could do with like the the band of yeah. thieves and all this other stuff. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, I just think that it would make you care more about the characters in the movie as a whole. So, yeah, I agree. I didn't have that problem. I care deeply about these characters. <laughs> So I don't I know. know what you're talking about. You could also even do like a little like part of an episode just talking about uh, like explaining some of the stuff with the Slayers. You could do some of the stuff. I mean, because like a lot of these shows are able to do stuff like that. I mean, you could even talk about. Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Elric, the Magnificent. Like when he was talking about running away because there was like, you know, a difference of opinions about a pie and all this other stuff. And like. Why is he a magician that kind of sucks at everything? You could do a little part episode on him. Just explaining like why he's just like this kind of shitty, but kind of not magician. You know, I think you need to pitch this idea to Netflix. I would totally watch this. Oh, I'd want it on HBO because HBO is my shit. I love their stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, you know, it'd be good on HBO. Exactly. Yeah. And you could be like, hey, look, this can just be like a little Watchmen mixed with game of thrones mixed with star wars mixed with all this other shit and like just 10 episodes bam get in get out be done but on that note do you guys have anything le- or anything else to say about kroll i was about to say like two different things like do you guys have anything else to say about kroll or is there anything left you want to say and i thought of both of those sentences at the same time and kind of couldn't figure out which one I was saying while I was saying it out loud. So do you guys have anything else you would like to say? The only thing I was going to say is I appreciate your appreciation for this movie. Like I have no qualms with it. I understand where you're coming from in the sense of, you know, this is your jam and that's cool. I appreciate that you appreciate it. Apology not accepted. You still said terrible things. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, and all I was going to add to that is, is that we all have movies like this. Everybody does. And if you're listening to this and you you don't think you have a movie like this, a movie that maybe wasn't so critically acclaimed, maybe it's not considered a good movie. Maybe it's considered trash, but it's your treasure, man. You still like it, man. You got to hold on to your treasures, man, because that's a part of you, too. That's a part of your taste. That's a part of your childhood. Ain't nothing wrong with that at the end of the day. Does that mean the movie has to be a masterpiece? No. But can it be a masterpiece to you? Yes. And that is the beauty of art and movies. I'll I'll kind of piggyback off what you were just saying with this, Justin, because out of all three of us, I have probably taken the most flack for some of my reviews and opinions about some of these movies. I have been very openly attacked about some of those things. And with that, you got to just be like me with this stuff, man. Like nobody liked Kroll. You guys didn't like Kroll. All this other shit. And what is my opinion on it? Fuck you. Kroll's amazing. Unapologetic. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never back down from it. Kroll's amazing. I will always watch it. I will always love it. And so I don't give a fuck. You don't like Kroll in all seriousness. You don't like Kroll. Your opinion's wrong. That's how I feel that I, I like, you know, I know that might be a weird <laughs> thing is it? like, no, that's how I feel. Your opinion's wrong. Right, that's cool. You can have a wrong opinion. That's fine. You're wrong. That's fine. Oh, boy. And that's just how I look at it. And it's simple as that. Because with me, and one of the things I, I forgot about, and I, I'm really sad that I didn't mention this earlier. This movie also has amazingly painted sets and backdrops. Like a lot of people don't realize back in the day, mm. in movies, they would paint the backgrounds, the backdrops of scenes. They'd paint them. And this movie does a lot of that with a lot of scenes. They'll have like one part of the set be there and everything else is just a flat painting around it and they do a lot of that inside the beast castle and it's really really well done because the way they're able to build those sets that would be crazy like this movie was crazy expensive but it would even be more crazy stupid expensive if they're building some of those things they were actually showing like just the weird intricate designs of it all and all this other stuff would be painstaking and terrible and almost impossible to do but it's very easy to paint and so i actually applaud them at like their their attention to detail with that that they were able to to build those things and to to paint into it and make it seem uh, as far as a lot of the special effects and, and camera stuff with this movie that was some of the stuff that was flawless they did an amazing job at blending the real sets with the painted aspects of them also this movie low key has some of the best movie contacts ever. Like just using like actual contacts, putting in people's eyes. Amazing contact work in this movie. Hmm. Okay. I mean, well, look at the shapeshifter whenever he opens his eyes and they're solid black. Or when the beast is portraying uh, cor- uh, colon. Um, like whenever he's got the red eyes and stuff. That's immaculate. I mean, how many times have you seen like bad versions of those effects and stuff like that? You know, but plenty of times. Exactly. Yeah. But like red eyed Colwyn, th- th- that looked fucking great. And the shapeshifter and like all those characters when they had like the solid black eyes, super great. So just Im- immaculate, especially for like the 1980s. I, like I didn't even know they had contacts back then, but apparently they did. So like kudos to them for really going out like above and beyond with a lot of that stuff. But in the end, my opinion on Kroll is it's amazing. Fucking great. Everyone should watch it. And if you don't like it, fuck you, you're wrong. And it's really that easy, guys. And on that note, 
Thank you guys for listening to the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Cinema underscore Slayers. Uh, for the six or seven people I even lost count already, I have to go back through, that did win uh, on this. We will be sending you uh, your swag uh, very soon. And with a lot of this stuff also, I don't know if Justin and Heather want to do it because they might like keeping their own money, and I completely get that. But everyone's, and I'm not doing that for all 20 of my movies, but... Every once in a while, when I'm feeling kind of fun with it, I will give a hint when we're going to record on one of my movies and there will always be a prize attached to it and I will keep it up. I'm going to do it like and I will everybody, depending on how I do it that day and it will be said, you will get a prize. Now, I can't be like this where I'm I'm essentially giving away six or seven shirts because that actually is a lot of money for me to do. Uh. So I'm going to do it on difficult movies or ways I can, I think I can do it in a tricky way to make it a little difficult. So just to have some fun with this and all this other stuff. So keep eyes out on that. We will definitely have that out. Uh, when we want to, when I want to do that and stuff. Uh, and also we have go ahead. We have built out the entire list of these movies and stuff like that. And I'm not saying this is our next episode, but the next time we do one of our essential list episodes, we will be doing one from the Cinefan list and it will be the movie seven. See, now that I'm doing that, I don't, I can't do that. I, Cause I was going to say, Oh, I'll start doing that at the end of episodes. I'll announce the next time we do. Uh, but if I'm going to have one where we kind of like have up in the air, what it is like, so we can have a contest on my stuff. I can't announce what it is in the previous episode. So this will be also the last time I announce what the next one of these will be. <laughs> this is the first and last time I will do this. Now that I think about it, new. It's all good. Yeah, it's just like I was like, oh, that'd be great. We could start doing that. And then as soon as I did it, I'm like, well, I can't do a contest on one of my movies if I tell you what it is the week before. So, you know, this is a learning process. Sometimes, you know, I just kind of think things and say them out loud, and then I realize I shouldn't say them out loud every time I think things because after saying it out loud, I realized what I said was wrong. Oh my. But to be fair, this was the first Cinefan pick. So I think it was good to, you know, maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe from now on when we do them, I'll just when we're doing a Cinefan one will be the next one. There we go. I'll announce it because I also did say that if you guys wanted to do it, you guys could also do these contests on your movies. And I can't do that for you guys, too, if I say them out loud. So just on the Cinefan ones, when those are upcoming, I will say what those are going to be out loud on the episode before. But like I said, I'm not guaranteeing you the next week's episode will be an essential uh, essential list episode. We haven't decided what we're doing next week yet. But just the next time we do one of these, because we have 79 of these episodes. To, well, so it was 79. So 77 more of these episodes to go after this one. When we The next one we do, it will be one of those. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying anymore. That's why I was trying to end the episode. I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying. I'm literally doing what I just said I do. I'll say shit out loud, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Why am I continuing to talk? I'm ending this if fucking you're still episode with now. Us. If you're still with us at this point, thanks. Fuck all this shit. Justin said Moon Knight won Best Picture. Let's fucking play some music. <laughs> Wow, that was a hell of a finish. And do I have a song?
little no, teapot. I do not. That was like that's like textbook stumbling through the finish line. <laughs> like that was like running a good race and just stumbling and falling like for the last ten meters of a race. Yep. Right at the end. <laughs> I just I I tried to recover and I couldn't. I tried to and it just got worse and worse and worse. <laughs> 